0: After a few weeks off, not by design. We are back. I'm your host, Darrell Moody, and this is Not In The Mood. I want to thank you once again for joining us, as I do every week. Uh, as I said, we did have to take a few weeks off. Uh, wasn't our call, but we are back now, and we're going to talk about cybersecurity this week because even though we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, the country is clearly under attack. We have had several high-profile uh, cybersecurity attacks this year. Targeting a major gas pipeline—that was basically what what uh, uh, caused me to do the show uh, on cybersecurity last time. Since then, we've had uh, a couple government agencies targeted, a city here in Florida even lost control of its water supply, and now a top meat producer. So these cyber criminals, uh, who are not necessarily government actors, not necessarily uh, working on behalf of the government. Of course, there's wide speculation that these folks are operating uh, in Russia with the protection of the Russian government. But we don't know who these folks are or what exactly they're after other than money, but they are going after America's infrastructure. Uh, Just last year, they went after the radio industry, which is where I work. They went after Intercom. Uh, and, and shut that company down for basically eight days. So these cyber attacks are coming closer and closer to our lives every single day. And I feel like if we don't get serious about this, all of us, uh, we're going to have a serious problem. And, 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 you know, if I could just further the discussion uh, on, you know, I wonder if we're going to see uh, people kind of disconnect, if you will, and, or maybe make a, a concerted effort to become less dependent upon technology nonetheless we have uh several other high-profile cyber attacks to talk about. And I, I, our expert for this week is Chris Nyhais. He is the CEO of Vigilant. That's a uh, cybersecurity technology company based in Ohio, I believe. Uh, so I want to jump right into my conversation with Chris. And this is another one of those phone interviews that I had to do on my cell phone utilizing Google voice. I would have preferred to, uh, do the interview in studio, just didn't have that option available to me when Chris was able to talk. So, uh, let's start first, uh, with our conversation with some background information, uh, Maybe Chris can talk to us about why uh, these criminals are targeting America's infrastructure and, and and kind of where we go from here. Yeah, so, uh,
1: you know, I'd I, I actually say that the need for cybersecurity has been around for a really long time. I think people are just becoming aware of it because it's becoming more in the media, it's becoming more mainstream. What's interesting about this is threat actors have been doing this for quite some time uh, across the world and across the globe. <clears throat> taking down companies and getting inside uh, of their security infrastructures. Now, what we're seeing now, though, is we're seeing more attacks coming against critical infrastructure in the United States. And because of the United States being a very just-in-time country, which means our meat processing, our electricity, our oil, our gas, everything is just in time, right? So if a truck doesn't show up to your gas station today or a truck doesn't show up to your to your uh, supermarket, they won't have food on the shelves. So when these cyber attacks happen, they literally disrupt our lives in pretty big ways because there's no storage anywhere. You know, there's no uh, next day storage in the back room, right? It's, you know, of, of a storeroom. It's all just in time. And these strategists know that and so what they do is they come in and they take down a company or they take down a pipeline or in this case they take down JBS and they disrupt supply chains so it disrupts life and it causes a panic and uh, and it causes that organization to have to do something very quickly to bring themselves back online.
2: So let's talk about that. When when a company uh, is attacked and you see something like an entire pipeline shut down across uh, much of the country, how do these companies recover from this sort of thing?
1: You know, in a lot of cases, they pay a ransom uh, because I I would say most companies out there are not prepared uh, both from a security standpoint but also from uh, a mindset standpoint to deal with uh, with With the threats that are attacking in today's world, um, you know like I said earlier, uh, security has become commoditized, which means most companies when they do cybersecurity, they put in automatic detection or they put in firewalls uh, they put in uh, antivirus that set and forget and uh, the flip side to that in the, in, the, in their mindset is that makes people feel secure, it makes them feel good. Uh, they get reports, and those things come out. They talk about different events. But the thing that most people don't know is that if you can buy a security technology openly in the marketplace, so can a threat actor. And so people are buying and putting things in place that are easy to purchase and are easy to deploy uh, because it's said and forget. But what ends up happening is a threat actor gets these technologies, and they just put them in their own labs. And they create malware to attack those technologies. And they know they're going to be successful the first time they come in. That's why, uh, you know, in these cases, you find out that, you know, threat actors have been in these companies for eight months, ten months, two years before they actually carry out their attack because they're positioning themselves to take them down even more. In this case, uh, what has been coming down the last couple of days is there's a threat actor group called Revolve. Uh, and, and what they're basically do is, I mean, it's pretty smart. Uh, they, uh, wanted to make a business they're out of creating malware. So a lot of people can, can go use their tools to create malware and then they go and attack companies with these created tools. Uh, and then those attackers that are using these tools then have to pay back to the originating group, you know, 20, 30% of the money they get. So if they go out and charge a ransom for $6 million, they then pay back to that group that money. And so it, it really is an enterprise. It's an industry. Um, what you're seeing with a lot of these supply chain attacks is, you know, if you take down, uh, you know, a paper company, right, you might disrupt the supply of paper, right, and, and not that paper is not important, but, you know, the amount of people that are going to be really ticked off and want to uh, have your supply chain come online, you know, today, right, is a little lower, right, uh, I, You know, if you have uh someone in, like, the meat processing industry, well, you shut down one-fifth of the world's processing of meat, well, a lot of people are going to want to help with that. So, in these cases where, like, JBS, it, you know, may end up paying a ransom to bring themselves back online and have the threat after unlock them, JBS, you know, themselves, their own revenue is a source – for money out of a ransom to these threat actors. But on top of it, you know, I'm sure JBS can go to the US government and say, hey, they're asking for $100 million, we need help there. Uh, they may go to any downstream providers because everyone wants their businesses back online. You know, Every supermarket wants meat and their shelves, And so there's a bigger pool of companies and resources for these threat actors to get money from if they go after the supply chain uh, originator, right?
2: So the last time we had an episode of Not in the Mood, we talked about cybersecurity. The threat actor in in, uh, question was uh, Darkseid, a a hacker group that that had targeted the the colonial pipeline. And you're talking now about this other group. How many players are there? How many different groups are there out there orchestrating these attacks? Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, thousands, hundreds of thousands. I mean, you could have a high school kid here in in the U.S. just decide that they wanted to make some money on the Internet. And they can go out and get into the dark web and they can, <laughs> they can learn techniques. They can go out to different, uh, you know, malware as a service companies, you know, like Rebel and, and, and go and create their own custom malware and just go carry an attack. So, um, you know, it's, um, it has become an industry and, and it's a good one, you know, and, you know, it's, it's a good industry They make, they make a, a ton of money, you know, um, you know, at it and, uh, the the thing that most companies don't understand is that you have real life people attacking you in a very strategic ways, um, but most of the of the protection that companies have put in place are automatic things, and so when you have a real life person attacking you. In your only defense are automatic tools that that real-life person also has access to, you're at a pretty significant disadvantage. And then on top of that, what you find is a lot of organizations never drill. You know, they never go through incident response, uh, you know, test scenarios. They don't prepare their organization for this at all. So when these things happen, most companies are unprepared. You know, they, they don't even know what their first step is. And, 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 it's, and it, it's a really big uh, mind shock, too, because a lot of people spend a lot of money on cybersecurity, and they do the, quote, unquote, right things, and they do all the best practices. And so their mind gets shocked because they go, well, how could this possibly happen to me because we did all the, quote, unquote, right things? <clears throat> and, um, and that mind shock and also the lack of prep causes their organization to be down even longer. Um, And so, like like you said, how do these organizations get back online? Well, because there's such a a huge unpreparedness out there, they get back online, like I said, by paying ransom. But even when you pay the ransom, a lot of times your organization doesn't come back online because there might be a problem with the code for the ransomware or it doesn't decrypt your environment like you thought it would. Um, And so – you know, even paying that ransom is not always guaranteed. So in, in a lot of these cases, too, the companies never come back online, and they go out of business.
2: So in in that situation, how, how do you even prosecute these groups? Who investigates and prosecutes, and how do you hold these groups accountable? Um,
1: I think you cut out there for a second. I think you were asking how do they, how do they prosecute these groups.
2: Exactly. How do they prosecute these groups? How do they, how do they hold them accountable and, and who goes after them?
1: Well, you know, that doesn't happen very often, uh, because in, uh, in, you know, inside these cyber attacks, uh, the, the detection systems and the security systems that a lot of these companies have in place do not create, uh, ev- information or data that could be used as evidence. Uh, and so even when you find, uh, when you can track down a lot of these hackers, even if you got them into a courtroom, uh, you know, if you don't have the right systems in place to be able to create the right evidence that can be upheld in a court and not thrown out of court, you're really not prosecuting them in the first place. Uh, so indictments are, are somewhat rare. Uh, but even with that, you know, because of the Internet being in such an anonymous place, uh, you know, everyone, when when these things happen, they always want to know immediately who it was. Right? Um, and, and that's okay uh, to know, but in a lot of cases, it, that matters less uh, than, what, than what happened and how could you have protected yourself better or major defenses better. Um, and, and, uh, and the reason I say that is because even like with Dark Side, you know, Dark Side's pretty much disappeared, but those people haven't, right? They just went and started a new group or started – you know, joined another group. And when they're in the US, it's a lot easier to prosecute. But even like I said a minute ago, a lot of times you don't have the ability in the side organization to even create the right evidence to do that. When they're outside of the US, there's a huge lack of extradition rules. Uh, So um, like even in this case, you know, Dark Side was in Russia, uh, you know, you know, this this new attack was in Russia as well. Uh but that doesn't mean that Russia was behind it. You know, we don't know that for sure. Or not. Um, you know, some people speculate or whatever. But even, you know, whether they were or they weren't, even if you found out who these individuals were specifically, uh, the ability to extradite them from those countries is, is pretty low. And so I think that there, you know, there does need to be some, um, you know, some extradition rule changes, you know, across, uh, the globe. But, but if, like I said, at the end of the day, uh, it's more about how you, how do you protect yourself well, right? Uh, it's less about who's attacking you because literally, like we said, anybody, can go out and just spin up an attack, you know, uh, you know, today against any organization. Uh, it's, it's, it really has to change, you know, at the core business aspect where businesses are making, uh, they're, they're, they're making the right decisions around cybersecurity. And in most cases, co- companies are understaffed and they're not spending, uh, money primarily towards cybersecurity. They're doing just enough. And, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, uh, and, and not saying that JBS or, or, um, you know, Colonial did just enough. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that most companies is, do that, uh, because they think that that's enough, uh, because again, they're, they're marketed that way, uh, to do that. Um, but when we really, really understand that we're really in warfare, uh, you know, every day, uh, it, it changes your mindset.
2: Now, you call it warfare, and, you know, most of us, myself included, are not IT experts. But, you know, we each work for a company that could very well be targeted, you know, at any moment. What are some of the things that we as users and as employees can do to protect our company and our network and and, and basically the nation's infrastructure?
1: Right. Um, You know, the user is usually the entry point. And it's usually something that is very that goes unnoticed. Um, you know, as, as a team member, you have to take cybersecurity important. You know, any moment your company can be shut down, which means your job, the source of your retirement, you know, funding, your maybe what you're using to pay your house, your your kids' college fund, all those things go away. Um, you know, the and collectively as an organization, you're working together to protect that company. And so when you Do your everyday job. uh, That's very important because you're keeping the operations of your, of your organization running. You know, you're doing what your company does to make money. On the flip side of that though, you're also involved in a, in a war and that war right now is for your organization's life and the threat actor doesn't want to take you out of business. They're, they're there to just get money. That's what they're after. But. In a lot of cases, you know, the the business becomes the casualty of war, and so you know, take the extra time to pay attention to what you're clicking on. Right? It's it's really that important. You could be the reason your entire organization gets shut down, you know, and goes out of business. Right? Take the extra time to to look look at what websites you're going to. Right? Um, don't surf all over the Internet or or read crazy things or or read news articles or things like that on your company's network, right? Because every time you go to the Internet, every email you open, every link you click on could potentially be what gives that threat actor access to your environment. You know, change your passwords, right? We know it's an inconvenience, but do that, right? Just just do those things. That will help the everyday team member at at a company – you know, to protect themselves. Now, to business owners, you have to make it part of your decision-making in your organization. It has to be as important as a product decision or a financial report. It has to be talked about in your board meetings. You have to put a significant amount of your budget towards it and be okay with that because it is the one thing that can literally take you out of business today. And that's what we see. You know, companies get shut down today. When that happens and, and you know, you could wake up tomorrow and your organization is shut down. And, and so you have to put the, that, you know, the effort and the, the focus towards it. You have to have dedicated people on your team that do nothing else, but just investigate cybersecurity attacks against your organization all the time. And you have to make very specific decisions daily around protecting your organization. And you can do that in a couple ways. You can do that by having your own staff, by outsourcing your cybersecurity to a trusted organization. Um, But you have to put that effort in in place. And I will tell you, not all cybersecurity companies are are equal, uh, and not all cybersecurity strategies are equal. Um, And so you have to really start to learn how to choose what's right and what's not just as much as you make Really good financial decisions on a daily basis. You yeah. know, one of the, we we actually help our clients with that all the time uh, with their C levels. We'll talk them through how to use forensic data to make business decisions, how to how to drive um, you know better security across the organization, uh, how to how to how to really create a, a you know that intuitive gut feel around uh, what you're deciding on. But um, but but this isn't this, this this is absolutely something that is has to be immediately taken seriously.
0: So in the meantime, while the rest of America uh, takes the issue of cybersecurity more seriously and companies begin to invest more money in this sort of thing, and we all maybe educate ourselves a little better on the risks and what you should be opening on the internet and where you should be visiting and that sort of thing, uh, perhaps I could suggest maybe we all just find a way to unplug. Maybe we find a way to become less dependent upon technology, you know. Uh, Everybody talks about smart homes these days and how cool they are. Maybe, maybe it's time to dumb down a little bit. Maybe we, uh, you know, uh, make sure everything's not connected to the same Wi-Fi network. I don't know. I'm not a cybersecurity expert. Chris says he certainly gave us a lot to think about. Uh, But, you know, we've got to get control of this situation or we're going to find a doomsday scenario down the road where, you know, all sorts of critical infrastructure has been taken out in one large swipe by these guys And maybe then we'll start to take it seriously. Hopefully we do before then. But thanks for listening. I will talk to you all next week.